I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Monica Benke. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Research Director Mike Pregler and Vice President and Principal Analyst Stephanie Sizzler to discuss Forrester's 2022 planning assumptions for B2B sales executive. They'll describe the key steps sales leaders should take to succeed in the coming year. Welcome both. Hi, Jen, and hi, Monica. Looking forward to the conversation. Same for me. Great. So let's start the conversation, maybe a little reflection on 2021, right? All about adapting to the new normal, but maybe you can give us your take. How well did B2B sales executives really adapt looking upon reflection? Well, you know, Jen, it's, it's a good question. Uh, sales leaders you know, went into the year with a lot of hope and expectations that things would uh, turn out differently than they, they've actually now turned out as we sit here uh, in uh, towards the end of third quarter. And, and sales leaders went into it thinking, yes, we're going to move to the next normal. And many hoped that things would return to essentially the old normal. And, and what they found is that wasn't the case. Uh, and, and really what they found in what our, our research shows and all our engagement with sales organizations is what really changed was the buyers changed. Uh, and those, those sales leaders that got that sooner and got that earlier were able to position their organizations for success much faster than those who didn't get it or didn't see that trend coming. Hey, Mike, um, do you, did you find that a lot of sales executives really galvanized their plans or do you think that they kind of kept a little bit of agility in them? You know, they, they, some did galvanize their plans early, but the majority, I think the majority took the approach of having an agile approach to looking at how this year is going to, to unfold. And they, they looked at it by trying to understand what was going on in the marketplace, what the, what their buyers were expecting and what their buyers needed. And those that really reacted to how their buyers were, what the buyer's demands were, those are the ones that, uh, that were able to adapt their plans to match uh, what the market was requiring. Mike, I don't know about you, but there is another side to this I saw, and that's uh, people got preoccupied with the day-to-day and I'm not sure that everybody was looking ahead as much as they should, not as much proactive planning as there probably should be. Do you agree with that statement? I, I do, Stephanie. Uh, we did see um, uh, too many sales leaders who got stuck with the, just the day-to-day execution, especially early this year. Hey, I need to get my reps uh, webcams and I need to help them do remote selling. All were, were things that had to be done but they were very tactical. And, and I saw the, the sales leaders that adapted their organizations uh, most successfully took an opportunity to do that, you know, give the basics, but also to take the opportunity to strategically look at their organization and say, I need to transform this because things will be different when we move through this pandemic era. Hey, Stephanie, I know you work a lot with clients that have large partner organizations. Were they so distracted internally that they took the eye off um, the ball with partners or did was partners like a big part of some of this agile and transformation thinking that Mike was just talking about? Hmm. I, I 
would say that, no, they did not take the eye off of the partners that they have. And they were really dedicated to how do we upgrade them? What kind of additional equipment, engagement, enablement kinds of activities we do. But I think the bigger concern I have is that it became a little bit more status quo than it should be about who the partners were that they were prioritizing. So I think there was way too many assumptions that they were working with the right partners without the data that they needed to make sure that the decision was true. And then also looking ahead um, to are they dealing with the right routes to market? We kind of get stuck in a hole where we say, you know, we've been doing business this way for a long time. We've been doing business with Ben for a long time. And they continue that route. So if I'm answering your question, no, I think they kept focused on the partners. The question is, was it the right ones? Something that, you know, both of you kind of hit on the, the data to make the decision or what are they basing the transformation on? What are those insights and why is it so important um, as part of the B2B sales organization transformation that's, you know, should be happening? As organizations look into 2022 or even as they started out in 2021, what we saw is, as we talked to many sales leaders in the market, was that those that were looking at their organization and that they had moved beyond kind of the historic approach of just relying on pure sales talent, either getting more talent or a select set of better talent in a certain area. And, and that was that's always one lever to pull, but it's not scalable. It's not consistent. It's not predictable. And that's what uh, boards of directors and CEOs are demanding of sales and revenue leaders is to deliver a consistent, uh, reliable set of uh, set of goals. So sales leaders today have to look at an insights-driven sales model. And we really say that that's our bold vision for sales leaders is to install an insights-driven sales model. And that means to utilize the vast amounts of data that are now available to sales organizations, draw insights from that. And in every element of your sales organization, use those insights to drive better decisions. Yeah, just dovetailing off of that. That's exactly what I meant in terms of taking a look at your partners. I think traditionally we've looked at who's our best partners based on revenue performance. But I think we all know revenue performance is a lagging indicator. It tells you something they did before, not necessarily what they're going to do in the future. And, you know, the way that we're helping our clients use that data is to really do a better job of growth potential, right? What do we need in terms of a partner, not just today, but two and three years from now, and what does that mean in terms of the right metrics to use? Data exceptionally important in all aspects of sales, not just direct sales, but channel sales and e-commerce too. Yeah, Stephanie, that goes right back to what you said just a few minutes ago, is where sales leaders, were they looking at how they were looking at their partners, is having the data to look at which of the partners they should be investing in and those that had the highest growth potential, not necessarily just the highest revenue performance, but highest growth potential, and then de-investing or, or shifting away from those that are not contributing real value and don't have real growth potential. So it's using insights to make good resource allocation decisions as a sales leader. Right. And I want to make sure we say this. 
you know, performance is important. So I don't, I'm not saying that you let go of your top performers, but obviously you're going to engage, invest them differently than you, if you have a performing partner that also has growth potential, right? That's what we're trying to get to in terms of the data. Stephanie, you're starting to hit on the question I was going to ask Mike. So it sounds very utopian. Um, to say, hey, I've got all of this data and it's going to give me all of this perfect information to make these perfect decisions. But the human condition is such that we still like to celebrate people that are heroes. And it sounds like that is a, you know, kind of a vicious cycle that would be really hard to break because if somebody does kind of pull it out at the last minute or bring in the big deal, you know, do you say, yeah, thanks, you know, good job, that's it. Um, you want to celebrate that, but it, it, now you're now you're creating um, inertia to this new approach. So how do how do you get salespeople out of that, out of celebrating heroics? You know, Monica, it's it, as, as sales leaders, we all send signals to to our sales organization, some implicit and some explicit. And celebrating successes, of course, that's a, that's a great signal that you send. But I really what we see is it could be as simple as tweaking not the heroic effort of you stayed up all night or you chased down that buyer on, on New Year's Eve and got them to sign on the dotted line, you know, while they were in a tuxedo at an, at an event. Uh, but that they maybe they leveraged insights to see that that particular organization may have been that is a good customer. They're starting to uh, investigate competitors. And you can see that by the way they're interacting with intent data. And you share, marketing can share that intent data with the sales organization and say, hey, this organization looks like they're probing around in market for something else. But yet, and you celebrate that success of sharing that data that then they make decisions and take action on. And that's the celebration that, that can really transform an organization. Yeah, that's a great point. And by the way, I was that person that that got the deal at 5 p.m. <laughs> on New Year's Eve. So, yeah, if you could solve for that, I think a lot of salespeople would be happy, too. It is. And one of the things that I hear, too, around the, you, you mentioned, you know, utopian uh, uh, data. And uh, one of the things as a, as a sales organization and sales leader and as a, as a rep, uh, a lot of data that today is all manually, it's still manually entered. Too often it's manually entered. And that's frustrating to the rep because they don't really see immediate value from that. But it's also frustrating from a sales leader perspective because you know that some of that data is inaccurate. Uh, and so what we're seeing is that the organizations and the technology that's really gonna transform that minimizes that um, that reliance on the rep to manually enter data, that we're capturing data from many different sources and automating that capture of that insight and that information. And then we use tools like machine learning and AI to help really analyze that and create insights and create next best actions and recommendations for us. So I'm going to hit on something I think, Stephanie, you had brought up, which was um, the use of e-commerce. And I... And as a marketer, I sort of chuckled reading um, the planning assumptions for on this particular topic because, you know, I, from my 
for my chair, this is sort of a, a marketing thing, right? Um, but I, I'd love for you to unpack a little bit the the importance of, of e-commerce here from a B2B seller and a B2B sales leader perspective. I'm going to answer your question, but one disclaimer before I start. I, You know, I... Mike knows this. I really hate the phrase e-commerce. I know we all use it, so we know what we're talking about. But that's probably not the right phrase. We really should think in terms of digital commerce or digital sales channels. And I say that for a reason, because it answers your question. When you look at it more broadly, you realize it is just a different form of selling than direct sales or channel sales, right? So I rather think in terms of digital sales channels and maybe it's uh, your own website, but maybe it's a third-party marketplace. Maybe it's even putting your information into a customer's catalog. So um, that's why I think companies, it's important for them to think beyond it being just marketing's job to, to put some content and some pretty pictures. It's much bigger than that. It really should be integrated into your whole entire sales strategy, like I said, just as you would any other channel. You know, Stephanie, also, when you're thinking of that, I go back to the insights-driven selling model, right, is using some of the insights, the data that you capture from your buyers, as well as your sellers to help inform what the best digital channel strategy is and which ones work best with which product and which go-to-market segment. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. But if you even go further back, uh, you know, one of the things ironically that I see that goes wrong with routes to market selection and even selection of the right partners is data driven, but it's not starting with information about the customer. So we jump right to should it be e-commerce or system integrator, but first going back and saying, who's the customer? Who are they? Where are they? What do they need? Most importantly, how and where do they buy? So data, yes, but making sure we're collecting the right data and always starting with the customer. I know it sounds so basic, uh, but sometimes too often we get away from that as we're planning, right? It's interesting. Um, you brought up, Jen, um, marketing and you, you associate e-commerce with marketing. And in a lot of companies, they have, you know, marketing does portions of the e-commerce piece of it. Um, but we're here talking about planning assumptions and it brings up an interesting thought about, you know, the, the coordination of planning between sales and marketing. And when you start to bring in these more sophisticated and complex buying scenarios where maybe they do talk to direct, but they purchase online or they start the purchase online, go to a partner, or maybe they're in a marketplace for, for aftermarket products, but to land them, you need a direct salesperson. Um, all of these like e-commerce kind of complicates the, the, the planning process between sales and marketing. So um, Mike, what do you think about, you know, the way that sales leaders have to think about their planning vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the, the ecosystem in the company, marketing specifically, but maybe product. I mean, I don't think it's the days anymore where you can just say, here's my territory plan and Joe, you go, you know, sell this much. It, it's, it sounds a lot more complicated. It, it is, Monica. There's, there's a, in, in making those decisions, there's, uh, it's becoming more and more complex. And I see more and more sales leaders asking, what are the right elements of, of data? What are the right insights that I should be evaluating to make those decisions? Uh, you know, discussions about uh, propensity to buy, 
which uh, accounts are in market, how, what's your typical win rate, how are reps being successful, uh, which channels uh, and, uh, and that help contribute to that or, or complement what the direct sales force is doing. And sales leaders and uh, leveraging their sales operations team and, and marketing operations teams, and often now we're starting to see the revenue operations team coming together, are helping pull all of that data together and really create insights that the sales leaders can make decisions about how to complement uh, and, and stack the different channels to market and how that makes sense for the buyers that, that you're targeting. Gosh, you know, you, you hit a point, Mike, a hot button of mine. You know, we talk about alignment with sales and marketing, but we need to make sure that there's alignment with all the different sales channels, right? Direct, indirect e-commerce, because today's customer, uh, they want the same experience regardless of that channel. So there's a more pressure on us than ever before to make sure that we're looking at it holistically, right? Absolutely. You know, in, in uh, we, we often see now um, that the B2C business consumer experience needs to be adapted in the B2B marketplace. So business consumers are demanding and have for some time demanded an omni-channel experience. And that may mean web and mobile and telephone integrated. Well, as you just said, hey, we've got to really understand how our channels complement and different routes to market complement each other and may work together because it's not so much that they're all independent and siloed routes to market. They may become integrated and hybrid routes to market. Absolutely. I mean, that's something we've been talking about a long time now, right? The idea of a, an ecosystem that works together versus these things being separate, right? Today's customer is very demanding. It's kind of hard for one of those entities to meet all of their needs, right? Absolutely. I think our customers are and the buyers are, are becoming more complicated. So we talked about the roots and the planning and the data needed for that. But in the B2B world, you've also got buying groups. It's it's a more complex equation than it is in a consumer world where it's typically and often one buyer. Here, what we found, especially over the last two years, the number of people involved in the buying process and the number of interactions that they are requesting between sales, marketing, and product and channels are increasing there. It's, it's getting exponential. So planning into that, you know, again, it's the amount of data. So how do you, I mean, who crunches all that data? How do you, how do you get the right stuff into the right hands? Uh, so looking at uh, who's on the hook for, for crunching that data, as, as sales leaders, we rely typically on uh, sales operations to look at, uh, uh, at that data and what's required, help us understand what the right metrics are and KPIs. And we, we leverage uh, them for helping put together those, uh, those, the type of information that we need to get. We also look at sales enablement where we're looking at what are the needs of our sellers and what helps them become more successful. Uh, so sales enablement is also on the hook for helping put together the right data for helping our sales force become more productive and more, uh, uh, more skilled at their roles. 
Well, I guess that goes to the point, really, we're saying that everybody within the organizations is responsible for data. Yes, sales enablement, sales operations might provide it, but even that rep at the territory level should be able to interpret that data so they understand what it means to them at their level, right? Everyone's responsibility, Jay. I'm going to put the sales leader more on the hook, but everybody's got to take accountability. One of the pieces of data that we see that's a little unique, I mentioned sales enablement, and, and I, I, I want to get to this point because I think it's really important about data. Uh, and it's not an obvious use case, but really important for sales leaders uh, is sales enablement is involved in helping understand what your uh, what the right competencies are for the roles, the selling roles that you have in your organization. And those selling competencies often uh, have to be mapped out. Well, too often sales organizations look at hey, what's the best type of sales rep? Well, exactly the same sales rep that we have today. And that they look like us. And they want all of the existing sales reps to really go out and, and recruit their friends and to become join the organization. So it's reference selling into the organization. Well, unfortunately, while that's worked in the past, what it does is it gets an organization that looks exactly like your old, old organization. So if you're trying to transform your organization to something that is really relevant in 2022 and beyond, you need to look differently at it. Again, looking at insights and, and, uh, and data about which sales reps, uh, which kind of individuals can be really successful, but what also matches your buyers. Our buyers are changing. They're more diverse. And they want a more inclusive type of uh, environment to be part of. So looking at what the, what the market is requiring and how to transform that organization, that uses data and insights of sales enablement, aligning with HR, can help sales leaders really look at how do I build a more diverse and inclusive selling organization that's going to match what our, our buyer population is becoming. You know, Mike, dovetailing off of that for channel sales, the same thing is true. You know, the buyers changed, so partners have changed. And they've changed in terms of what they need and want from the supplier in terms of their channel account manager. Same thing. Um, the roles kind of stayed with the same description, but the world's changed in terms of what it needs. And that role needs to change as well. Exactly. I, I see sales organs, sales leaders today uh, that and more and more are telling me this is that they, when they actually go and have QBRs or senior top-to-top -to -top, uh, meetings between senior sales executives and as senior executives in their buying organizations, and they have to share their diversity, inclusion, and, and even their, their vision, their purpose as an organization. So the buyers are actually demanding uh, to understand what the, the selling organization's purpose is. What are their missions? And then how does their diversity and inclusion plan help support that? So it's not just about product. It's about organizations aligning uh, on more socially economic type of topics. So that's really important that sales leaders understand that the buyers are asking for that uh, and being able to, to, uh, to be able to create that story that works for your organization. So, you know, we, we talked a little bit about e-commerce and maybe that night not being the correct terminology that we want to be using or not being all encompassing per se, but is there something ab about e-commerce um, that sales leaders are 
maybe like allergic to like why haven't they <laughs> you know grabbed onto this opportunity as an opportunity um because it's a big one i assume well there's so many different answers to that question but i'll, I'll start with one i i think we've been talking a lot about data but i have to say this part of it is denial and not looking at the data. I hear so often from so many sales leaders, well, my customers don't wanna buy that way, my product's too complicated, or our price is too high. And again, I think it's because they have in their head, again, it's a marketing activity, not seeing it as a sales channel, and failing to really look at what their customers are saying. And their customers, whether they like it or not, are looking towards digital commerce. Now, my only disclaimer, going back to those definitions, Yes, some of it is self-service, but we need to recognize that the biggest numbers for us in B2B still, and potentially in the future, are sales-assisted uh, e-commerce or digital commerce. So they still want some sales help. They just want to go to that web to, for the transaction pieces, for the information pieces. So I'd say it's a little bit of needing to recognize what the customer wants. The other is fear. I think it's a little bit threatening because their existing sales channels are threatened by it. Whether we're talking about direct sales, they look at e-commerce as a threat. So they're indirect channel partners. But what they need to step back and think is the customer is the priority. And then also, how do I make this a win-win for everybody? And e-commerce really can be. If you look at it through the indirect channels perspective, uh, many are having huge success by allowing their partners to sell their add-on products and services through that e-commerce site. Um, in uh, the direct sales is really um, benefiting from it too in terms of back to the whole idea of data they didn't have before in terms of what they're buying, what they're not buying, when they're buying becomes additional intelligence they just haven't had in the past. So we talked about a lot of things and uh, with a lot of passion, which I love as well. Um, what are the next steps? Like, what are not even next steps? What are the first steps? So somebody hasn't taken a first step. So we're heading into planning season for 2022. Um, you've got given all of the listeners a lot to think about and a lot to consider. How do they get going on this? Well, yeah, yeah. One, let's say step one, right? Is is as, as organizations have to to transform they move away from the art of selling to to the science of selling and and really leverage that insight driven sales model uh, but the the first place is to use those insights to help align product and marketing and sales and now increasingly customer operations and customer success into building out uh, the, the full life cycle of of the this customer experience and from the selling organization, the first thing is use an, the alignment you have of those organizations to increase the precision in your market coverage. That means looking at better and more precise go-to-market modeling, rust-to-market modeling, uh, and, and selecting your coverage models across all of those. And, and then secondarily, number two is focus on uh, increasing uh, precision in the selling execution. The way reps interact with buyers, help them understand how to better interact. What are the next best actions? What kind of content resonates with buyers at different stages? Uh, what type of, of channel or route to market helps the, the buyer be 
uh, most comfortable in their buying experience and have the most successful buying experience. So I think really is leveraging that uh, those insights to help drive alignment, then then alignment helps precision in the go-to-market model and precision in selling execution. Absolutely, Mike. I think you're spot on. If I just reinforce a couple points in your message there, talk about data, just make sure that you're taking time to truly understand your customer. Sounds basic, but it's needed throughout the organization. Everything should stay there. Also, don't stay in place. Go back and do that analysis of what the customer wants and take action relative to looking at your routes to market and are they right right ones for your target customers and the target products that you have. Great. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Jan. Thank you, Monica. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.